I'm Anna Webb. Welcome to A Dog's Life. Hey, Mr. Binks. You know how excited I was when I met Lizzie Megason doing Joanne Good's Chewing the Fat the other night because Lizzie Megason has a cat, a Bengal, named Johnny Depp. Well, we're jumping on Zoom now to catch up with Lucy and find out a bit more about Johnny Depp, her cat. Lucy Megason, oh, what a delight it is that you're on A Dog's Life. <laughs> Thank you so, so much for having me, Anna. I hope that uh, your listeners are going to be okay with someone who has a cat rather than a dog, but we'll get there in a sec, won't we, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, we definitely will. I know, um, I think loads of my listeners also have cats, you know, as well as dogs. And yeah. cats are amazing beings, and everybody knows that my dear gremlin who was partly a dog in a way because he was raised by my first miniature bull terrier molly and it was quite a an extraordinary relationship that they shared that he was very dog-like but he was my first ever cat you know so um i did i must say i raised him like a dog and i was thinking about this last night you know i'd call him from the moment he moved him and he moved in with Anyway, let's not talk about Gremlin. Lucy, explain oh. yourself and who you are. And okay. I'm honoured to have been on your podcast. Well, I was so, so happy to have you on mine. And just to give the listeners a bit of background about who the hell is this woman? <laughs> so you and I met on the fabulous Joe Good, our mutual friends uh, radio show on her chewing the, on, on her chewing the fat feature so that's how we met and Joe was like oh my god you guys have got to kind of you know meet and that's where um I asked if you'd come on my podcast because I have a, so so my name is Lucy Megason I have a podcast called Spinsterhood Reimagined which is all about being single and child free but it's but more than that it's about celebrating um all the fabulous things about being single and not having kids and it's also got a real um element to it that is all about personal growth and sort of self-development and essentially uh, I like to sort of inspire and encourage single women to basically you know become the best version of themselves that they possibly can because let's face it us and uh, you know Anna you're obviously single and child-free as well you know we have that extra time we have that extra freedom to be able to kind of become the best version of ourselves so that's who I am and what I do. And I also work part-time in a coffee shop as well, just local to where I live. And of course, I have a cat called Johnny Depp, which is why I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> it's brilliant. And the fact that your cat is named Johnny Depp, I really tickled my sense of humour because <laughs> of my um, infamous Johnny Depp story, which yeah. I'm, I'm sure has been recounted on, on my <laughs> own podcast. But if not, go to Lucy's episode with me on and then yeah. I do recount it all in detail, don't I, Lucy? You you do and oh my god it's just such a brilliant story I mean we were talking about video clips earlier and I put that video I put the video clip of that story out on my Instagram because it was just so brilliant and of course it's just so hilarious that my cat's called Johnny Depp and and in fact when um when Joe first found out that my cat was called Johnny Depp she I think it really tickled her as well um so it was it was all very you know this is the universe we're we're meant to know each other um and it's funny because I decided so I 
I grew up loving Johnny Depp and um, and when I got my Johnny Depp, it was just over a year ago. So it was right or it was in the couple of months leading up to me getting him. It was the whole uh, Johnny and Amber trial. And I was very much team Johnny. So I decided then I was going to call my cat Johnny Depp because I knew I was getting a little boy. So that's why. <laughs> It's brilliant. Well, gosh, I was so hooked to the trial and everything and definitely also on uh, Team Johnny's side. Yeah, it was so funny, actually, because I described Gremlin, my cat, to a friend before he passed. I said, no, what you've got to remember is if Gremlin were human, he would be Johnny Depp. But then I thought, mm, this is, mm, but Gremlin's castrated, so maybe not totally. <laughs> I know. Well, well, Johnny, my Johnny has too. <laughs> Yes, well, you have to really with cats. Do you know exactly. what I mean? Especially because... outdoor ones like mine is, but we'll get onto that, no doubt. Yes, no, we will. We will indeed. But Lucy, it's interesting, this whole spinsterhood thing, isn't it? Um, because yeah. it's interesting to me that you got Johnny j just a year ago, really. Because yeah. um, me, I took on, um, you know, a pet rather than having a baby when I was 37, when my dad had just died. Um, and that was Molly, my first miniature bull terrier. And that, you know, that Molls and me, we had the best journey ever, really. Yeah. So much happened in 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 her 13 years. And yeah. for me, yeah, but for me, you know, I don't know, for loads of reasons, this having children aspect of life has never really actually bleeped on my radar. Now, Lucy, I don't know if that if that's the same with you. I mean, for me, I'd much rather have a dog. Well, <laughs> I hear you. Well, it's funny because it it's it was not quite the same for me in as much as whilst um i obviously have a podcast that celebrates not having kids but i so i'm one of those women i think people assume that you're either childless because you wanted a kid but couldn't or you're child free because you never wanted one but there's also this thing that you know now that i'm in this kind of single child free world there's a, a term called childless by circumstance and that is how I describe myself because I'm one of those girls who I always assumed that I would have kids, but, but I think that was more because it's just what people do, you know, quote unquote, it's, it's what people do. So, uh, but, but I remember when I was at school, for example, um, I was never that girl who was really, really broody, like so many of my friends, you know, they would talk about their broodiness and, you know, going kind of in, you know, from our late teens into our 20s, people were talking about being broody and I I could never, I, it just never resonated with me. I was like, what is this broodiness that people are talking mm -hmm. about? I just, I just didn't feel it. Um, and anyway, to cut a very long story short, then I sort of had you know, relationship after relationship after relationship, as as you do throughout my kind of 20s and 30s. And then I um, I ended up in a, a relationship when I was just before I turned 40. And of course, during my sort of late 30s, whilst all of my friends had started having kids and, you know, getting married and all of this kind of stuff. And there was a part of me thinking, oh gosh, you know, like, where, where am I going? What am I doing? But again, I was always motivated by other things than babies. And all I can say is that if I had really, truly wanted a baby, I could have made it happen. And I didn't. So it was just, it, it never felt like my calling. I felt like other things were my calling. And, you know, here I am doing a podcast about being single and not having kids. So 
so yeah so so I so I I I wasn't um it wasn't that I didn't want them it's just that I didn't end up having them and I've gone and ironically when I having never been broody for my entire adult life the minute I hit 40 pretty much my body just went oh my god you need to have a child and and I just I felt that sort of really physical broodiness that I'd never experienced before it was very very bizarre and I still am kind of going through that so there has been a bit of a kind of a grief process although I wouldn't want to say grief in the same way that somebody who really wanted babies would feel grief but it's been a bit of a journey but yeah that's pretty much where I am but now of course I I bloody love it and um really lean into all the fabulous things about not having kids well, I'd hope that culture's changing a little bit on all of this. You know, I do think it is social pressure almost that creates all that broodiness. It's the way you, you're supposed to behave around someone having a baby in the family and so much attention's on the baby and this baby looks gorgeous and, you, you know, but I would think, oh, no. Anna, would you like to hold the baby? I'll go, no, no, thank you. I'll probably drop it, you know, no, <laughs> you know. And I'd always decline and then, you know, sort of go and find the dog in the family and just hang out and play a game of fetch or something with the dog <laughs> in the garden. I'd feel far more comfortable. And it's, so it's interesting, isn't it? It's just interesting. Yeah. You know, cause, you know, I like people enough, you know. I just find the human condition is a bit disappointing, <laughs> understatement. <laughs> but the, the interest and the intrigue of human humans and their psyche is something I'm interested in and it's good to see the good in people although sometimes it can be quite a scary world navigating um humans I don't know what do you think Lucy yeah absolutely yes you're 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 so right although what I will say is that because I've been on a pretty major um I I refer to it as like a sort of a spiritual journey, almost like a spiritual awakening. But I but I'm sort of loath to use that phrase because I think people start rolling their eyes and going, "Oh my God, she's you know she's clearly bonkers talking about spiritually awakening." But what I mean is that this I think that the worlds of sort of spirituality, not not religion, but spirituality and personal growth, they kind of just mesh together. You sort of can't have one without the other. At least I found that, and so in the last you know during the last few years that I have been on this kind of journey of 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 self-growth and discovering all the rest of it I guess I've started to look through a, a very different lens at the world so I suppose I've become a lot less cynical and a lot more hopeful um about humanity than than I used to be um and whilst obviously there's you know there's so much going on in the world that isn't good I really find that it depends where you're looking what your place you're placing your focus on who you're talking to who you're following I mean I I talk a lot about this on the podcast I am obsessive about the content that I allow into my mind um, and the people that I surround myself with because you know we become the I mean I'm sure you've heard this Anna we become the average of the five people that we spend the most time with God knows who said that originally but many people have said it over the years and I really believe that so I just find that the way that you the way that you or the way that I feel about and, and therefore relate to humans is very much um, dependent on how I'm feeling about myself and about the world. And I think I've become more, ironically, because the world, is, you know, many people would say that the world is going to, you know, what, but I've sort of begun to see it in a very different way. 
again, because of where I'm placing my my focus. So I like, for example, I no longer watch or listen to the news. And that can be that can really make people raise their eyebrows and go, bloody hell, you know, she doesn't listen to the news. You know, what what kind of a woman is this? But that A, it doesn't mean that I don't know what's going on because I live in the world. So, of course, I know what's going on. And B, it doesn't mean that I don't care. It just means that I don't sit and watch the news for two hours and get completely embroiled in a story or something really, really, really awful that is going on in the world. Because ultimately, the way that I see it is that the better we feel about ourselves, the better we show up for the people that we love. And that's actually the best thing that we can do for ourselves and, and you know, on, on, on another level for the kind of greater good of humanity, if that isn't a bit too well, man. <laughs> Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. I totally agree. I mean, I dip into the news. I've got the radio on all the time, you know, um, and hear it, get what's going on. But absolutely, I mean... There's very little anyone can really do when there's a mass disaster, like at the moment in Hawaii. It's mm. absolutely horrendous. But, you know, it really is. Yeah. But you, I can't particularly do anything. You know, I could donate. Yeah. I would donate to help the animals out there would be my first. And I have done that over the years just to think, OK, I've done something when there's been a big natural disaster. Yeah. Well, there's always the animals that are also being affected, you know, so that's just the yeah. way I go, go on it. But I, I do hear what you're saying. I mean, it is is important to feel good about yourself I and mean, I love helping people and you do too I think yeah. Lucy. I think yeah for sure and I think um it you know it, it sort of feels quite inherent I mean I suppose when I started the podcast I I didn't consciously think I want to do this to help people but I suppose it was just sort of an inherent um motivation for doing it um yeah and I mean I like to think I like to think that really we all want to help people ultimately do, do you know what I mean I think I think most people because and that, again going back to you know the human condition and what humans are like I mean I like to think that most people are good underneath it all but then actually I think we're but we're all a combination of everything aren't we like nobody is one thing or the other nobody is completely good nobody is completely bad we we all have such a mixture of 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 states and and you know parts um but yes I mean I think I think really humans when you kind of peel back the layers ultimately of all the societal can I swear on this podcast can I say the word crap <laughs> yes I think you can um, you know yes. when we sort of peel back all the layers of crap that we've all taken on um underneath it all we're just souls having a human experience and everybody actually wants to wants to help other people I think that is that is our inherent condition underneath as I say all the layers that have been put upon us since we were kids does that make sense yeah no totally I mean it's all I mean I remember on the podcast I did with you you know your podcast I kept going back to you see conditioning you see Lucy it all goes back to dog training <laughs> and in a way through everything that you're saying you see I see the dog as you know weaving their way dogs weaving their way through mankind for all of the time that we've been around as humans yeah. dogs have been with us which you know for me personally I just find so fascinating and this, yeah. this link with animals is something I really respect in people, I must say, um, yeah. because that's kind of how I was brought up. And really, yeah, 
Yeah, you know, and, and it's horses for courses. Some people, you know, and other people are never going to get on, you know, really. But again, it is about trying to do the best, you're, you know, that you can for other people in your, as you were saying earlier, actually, Lucy, off air, in your kind of community. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And do you know, Anna, one thing you were, when you said just now about sort of dogs having always been there, um, you know, sort of inter, sort of intertwined with human life as well. The, the really interesting thing is that I think the, you know, one of the best things about animals, and I certainly, gosh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm getting this through having a cat, but they, animals, they, they just, they, ha- I think they help us to see the good in ourselves and other people because they're just this sort of raw innocence. Um, completely I think that one of the most amazing things about about um animals and certainly how I feel about having my cat is that he makes me really present and I think that is that's something that you know everybody's everybody's talking about mindfulness these days I think people are just probably sick of hearing the word mindfulness but it's something I'm try to be mindful of is being (laughs) mindful because (laughs) it's so incredibly important for us to actually be present. And one of the best things, and I'm sure you'll agree, Anna, is that, you know, when you have a pet, when you have, whether it's a dog or a cat or a a horse or whatever, when you're with that animal, you are just present in that moment. Hopefully you're not sort of scrolling on your phone. And actually one of the most hilarious things about my cat, we'll get on to Johnny in a minute, but one of the most hilarious things that he does, and it's so interesting. And he makes me think because... He is a Bengal and he has a big personality. He's probably the most high maintenance cat on the planet, I think. But he's also completely amazing. I'm completely in love with him. But when I'm on my phone or if I'm on my phone or my laptop for too long and he is like she's been on it for too long, he will literally come up to me in my face and meow so loudly, like, get off your freaking phone, woman. And it's really interesting because it actually makes me think, you know what, he's right. It's, you know, it's the same as having a, like a toddler coming up to you and saying, you know, mummy, why are you, why are you on your phone? Um, so I think that's one of the, the most amazing things about, you know, having a pet is that they they allow you to be much more present to um, to just the here and now. And ultimately, that's all, you know, that's all we've got is the, is the here and now. All we've got is this moment right here, right now. We're constantly thinking about the past or the future, but all we really truly have and will ever have is this moment right now. So that's something I think is really magical about cats. Did they just, cats and, you know, dogs and animals in general is that they just help you be present I agree. Honestly, I think it's such a really valid point that, you know, I was actually only thinking that yesterday. I mean, it's something I, mm, mm, because I was like, oh gosh, you know, we've got to go for our walk. I'll worry about that after the walk. And then we're on our walk and it was a good walk. And, you know, and I really, you know, went down a few gears of stress and it was really great because it was a pleasant evening. It was a really good walk with me, Prue, and Mr. Binks. Did some Aww. obedience training. And it was all really, really good. Good connections going on, you know. And it was brilliant. And it cured me, basically, from being a bit stressed out about various other things that probably aren't that stressful, really. But I think, you know, as humans, we're really good at overcomplicating things, aren't we? Totally, totally. And actually, I just want to pick up on that word, connection, um, that you just use because 
it's it's funny because I think people who don't have pets can be a bit sort of like, well, what do you mean you have a connection with your your pet? Do you know what I mean? They 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 can't quite and and I will admit that before I had Johnny, I was probably one of those people. But one of the things that he has taught me is that my god you can have such a a huge and meaningful and important and amazing and wonderful connection with an animal whether it's a dog or a cat or whatever um it's 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 crazy isn't it and I'm sure you have that with your with your um with your dogs but I find with Johnny that that, you know, you just said you, you're, the walk that you went on, you you went for a really good walk. And some people might be like, well, what do you mean it was a good walk? Surely when you take your dog for a walk, it's like you just take your dog for a walk. But no, and I, I so know what you meant because there are times where I've kind of hung out with Johnny of, of an afternoon or we've had a particularly, um, you know, a, a particularly lovely couple of hours together. And we've, re- you know, I've really sort of connected with him, with him on a level that you know that was more than the day before which is and it's completely incredible oh I know I know and I think I'm lucky you know I've always known this you know because I grew up in a in a household with lots of animals funnily enough around and with a big focus well because dad worked for the RSPCA so animal conversations were always being had in the home we had a pond with fish in I had my guinea pig squeak and um you know tortoises dogs I went for riding lessons, which, and it was my dad that, you know, encouraged me to ride. Well, it was mandatory, you know, so I had no choice. I had to learn how to ride a horse and saddle a pony and all that, which I loved. So I've always had that, I suppose, encouraged in me or I naturally, you know, veered towards animals as totally having meaningful moments in time with far yeah. more often I think than a lot of people really, you know, but it, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I am a bit, odd in that way I, I think or maybe not you know but oh, well, I, I don't mm. think I don't think it's odd at all and 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 you know actually when you were talking about your I remember you talk, talking about your um you know your your upbringing when you were on my podcast and and just to give the listeners a bit of context about my my upbringing in relation to animals I was similar to you in that we had um we had lots of animals I don't think as many as you guys did but we had a dog um and we had a cat but the funny thing was and so I have a brother an older sister and a younger brother and we had like we had a horse too at one point that my sister and I used to ride but we had um a dog called Jumbo who's a black Labrador and a a black cat called Ebby and Jumbo the dog was officially my sister's and it's a funny story well it's not really a funny story but it's the story as to how we came to get her was that my sister when she was about um nine or ten she was at a swimming lesson. My mum was up in the, you know, those kind of galleries in, in, in at sw- sort of, you know. Yes, swimming. in the olden days. Yeah, I don't exactly, know. I have, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So my mum was up in the gallery kind of chatting to the other mums and Annie was, my sister Annie was in the pool. And long story short, she did a, she did a mushroom. You know, when you have to, when you're having swimming lessons and you have to kind of curl up into that mushroom shape. And I think it's called a mushroom. And anyway, she, she didn't come up. And basically she, she nearly drowned. Oh my and my mum and dad said to her after that, you can have anything you want. And she went, I want a dog. <laughs> so we got a black Labrador when I must've been um, eight. Cause she's a year, just, just over a year older than me. Um, and I mean, she was, you know, just the absolute kind of most joyous creature on the planet. And 
I, although she wasn't officially my, and what was funny is that my sister and I, you know, we took it very seriously that Eben, Ebony, my, my cat was called Ebony, Ebby was my cat and Jumbo was her dog. Um, you know, which is just amusing to sort of think how you see things when you're kids. But but what was what's really interesting is that when I sort of went, Ebby, my, my beloved Ebby died when I was 19. I was absolutely devastated. We buried him in the garden in the house that I grew up, sort of outside my bedroom window. Um, and, but what's interesting is that as I, you know, went off to university and although my parents had other cats, but I then, you know, went off into the world. I went to university, I moved to London because I grew up in Dorset, la la la. And what's funny is that I, over the next 20 years, did not have an animal in my life, did not have a pet. And so I, I lost that connection with what it was like. I, I forgot how amazing it was to have a cat um, in particular and, and a dog. And then my sister ended up getting a cat about two or three years ago called Biscuit. And over the last couple of years, I just fell in, I, I see my sister a lot. She lives in London too. And so I would see Biscuit like, you know, every week, very, very, very regularly. And I basically started remembering how much I loved having a cat in my life. And so it was because of Biscuit that I sort of made the decision that I was going to get a cat because I live, as you know, Anna, and Joe and I have talked this on chewing, talked about this on Chewing the Fat. I live in a studio flat, which is, it's a, I hasten to add, it's a beautiful, beautiful studio flat and it's got massively high ceilings and it's got like a mezzanine. So it's, it's a, you know, if you're going to live in a studio flat, it's a lovely one to live in. But I'd, but because I live in a studio, I always assumed that I wouldn't get an animal until I moved somewhere um, bigger. But then my neighbor, my my neighbor um knew somebody who who's had a pregnant cat and he'd had a litter before and that's how I came to get Johnny but it was just funny to it was just funny that I sort of completely lost that connection with animals and then came back to it when my sister got a cat and I was like oh my god I remember this feeling of like loving having a pet you know it's brilliant. I think it's it's great because it, it is enriching, and particularly you work from home a lot, and it's about company. But it's about yeah. company that's totally unconditional. There's no judgment, and that's what I think is is the key. You know, there's no judgment about your roots might be showing, or yeah. you can't fit into a certain <laughs> pair of trousers or whatever. You know, hoovered. That's the key. It's kind of no psychological pressure. <laughs> Yeah, completely. You're so right. I mean, one thing though that 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 strikes me off the back of what you just said is it's it's very different with cats and don't cats than it is with dogs, isn't it? I mean, and I mean, I, this is a whole conversation: the difference between cats and dogs. And one of the and actually, you you mentioned how Gremlin was a bit like behaved a bit like a dog, and Johnny's the same. And I think it's because I've kind of trained him to. He's he's a very human cat. And um, so he sort of, you know, he he comes when I call him and I think he's he's just very much more human than he is, um, you know, than, than perhaps most cats. And because he's a Bengal, so he's got a very sort of big personality. But yes, I mean, there is something about animals that they're just they're just there and they just love you. But in the case of cats, they love you when they want to. They want, you know, when they want to come to you, they'll come to you. And when they don't want you, they will definitely let you know. But that, I think, is one of the things I love so much about cats is that they're, um, you know, so completely different from 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 dogs in as much as they're just so, so independent. 
and with Johnny you know he's he's so independent obviously he's a cat <laughs> and because he's a Bengal and he's an outdoor cat um you know he's just off kind of living his best life but then when he comes home that's just the most amazing thing and I've I've got into this routine if I'm at home which I am a lot because you know I do I do work from home a lot um when he comes when I hear the cat flap go I kind of jump up out of my chair and I like run over to the cat flap and I take him up in my arms and I give him a massive hug and I'm like oh my god hi darling how are you I mean I literally treat this cat like he's I, I literally treat him like he's a baby and actually going back to the kind of child free thing I am finding that I'm I'm discovering what I would have been like as a mum to a human. I basically treat him like he is a human child. Is that weird? I don't know. Maybe it is, maybe not. <laughs> well, I don't know that you do because he's a cat and he's a Bengal. So I know it's weird, isn't it? I mean, yeah. I think you do put boundaries in with with Johnny, you know, because being a Bengal, I mean, funnily enough, one of my friends is a cat behaviour specialist and her speciality is helping people live with Bengals because they can be so difficult. And if you haven't got a strong personality, which you have, Lucy, then the Bengals can rule the roost. Like there was pieces in the paper that owner can't get out of her bed because the Bengal won't let the owner, you know, and there's crazy. I mean, I don't know if it's true or not. Do you think they're that strong-minded, Lucy, the Bengal? Oh my gosh, Anna, (laughs) I cannot, okay, put it this way. Had I known what what he was going to be like before I got him, you know, at the time in my kind of blissfully, totally free and independent single child-free life, I probably wouldn't have got him. And I mean that with all the love in the world and I wouldn't be without him now because I'm completely in love with him but had I known I'd have been like well no thanks (laughs) but the funny thing was basically because I got Johnny through my neighbor and friend Louise I didn't even really and I remember actually my mum saying to me oh darling you sure you want a Bengal you know they're really difficult I was like yeah yeah be fine be fine and it was and I kind of went into it quite sort of blinkered and you know some would say quite irresponsibly and quite stupidly because I didn't really do the research not least because I'm so busy with the podcast and everything else in my life that I simply didn't have the time to spend hours and hours and hours and hours um researching everything about Bengals which you know that I probably (laughs) don't I probably don't come off very well by admitting that but anyway the point is that going back to your question he absolutely is a blooming handful, 100%. He is the, you know, compared to your sort of average moggy house cat, he's a different, he's a different animal. You know, you, and, and Bengals, obviously they're, they're, um, they're descended from Asian, Asian leopard cats. And mm. so, see... so how wild are they, Lucy? Cause well, you know, oh gosh, I mean, before I... Gremlin arrived, you know, and moved in, I didn't go and get Gremlin. He decided to move in. You know, Bengal was something I was like, gosh, if I ever have a cat, which I thought I never will be able to, because at the time, Molly, my first bull terrier, really hated cats, you know. So, but I thought, oh, Bengal, amazing, you know. And my friend Debbie Connolly was a Bengal expert. So I'd heard and I thought, gosh, this is like the bull terrier of all cats, you know. Um, I mean, how wild are they in terms of F1? I mean, how many generations apart from the Asian wild cat are they 
gosh, Anna, I, I wish I knew the answer to that. And I'm trying <laughs> to say, that, do you know what? I, I literally <laughs> do not know. I mean, I know that they're descended for Asian leopard, from Asian leopard cats, but I, I really don't know sort of how far back it goes. Isn't that awful? And I have done some reading about this. I have sort of, since I've had Johnny, I have done some research on this, but I can't, I can't off the top of my head remember. But so what I will say is that in my experience, not that many generations ago. <laughs> brilliant, jo- brilliant. Johnny is like so, so wild. But you know what? That is what I think one of the reasons why I just love him so much is because he is he's he's a mate, he's he's a wonder. Do you know what I mean? He's a he's a complete wonder to me. He's he's so and yes, he's high maintenance, and yes, he meows a lot. They're very, you know, Bengals can be very, very loud, but actually the whole meowing thing. I love it because a he has lots of different meows and I know what the different meows mean and I actually find them really fascinating and Johnny won't meow unnecessarily unless he actually wants something so if he's meowing I'll know that either he wants me to play with him for a bit or he wants food or he wants to go out or whatever whatever it may be and actually he has this um more rather than a meow he has a yowl is it is it a yowl they call it those kind of very sort of guttural sort of low yeah uh, like a growly yeah Yeah, exactly and apparently Mm. and he sometimes does it when he goes outside and I'll hear him outside my window doing this sort of yowl I'm like why are you why are you meowing like that and apparently it's when they see birds for example and oh my god speaking of birds Anna this has happened twice now okay so I actually um I mentioned um uh rat situation on on chewing the fat on joe's show oh no gosh but but Mm. going back to birds twice now and johnny is not i know some bengals can be really big but johnny is not a big cat he's relatively small for a bengal like the the moggy who he kind of hangs out with who's part partly his best mate and partly his nemesis he's called oreo oreo's like a sort of average size house cat and johnny is smaller than him but also johnny is just very lean and has you know much shorter hair he's not kind of fluffy because Bengals he's got this amazing coat which basically feels like velvet in fact every time anyone meets him everyone's like oh my god he is because I I, even if I do say so myself Johnny is even by Bengal standards absolutely stunning like stunning I put plenty of pictures of him, him on my Instagram he really is absolutely beautiful um but the other day, I think it might have, yes, do you know what, it was yesterday, um, and it's happened twice now, not only has he bought live rodents in through the cat flap, which I've then had to chase down and rescue and release, he yesterday and once before, he's tried to bring a pigeon, like a full-grown pigeon through the cat flap, Gosh. And to the point where I now... Every time he goes out, I lock the cat flap so that he can only come back in when I let him in because he goes through phases. But again, this is one of the things that makes Johnny so, so brilliant is that he's he's a, an amazing hunter. And of course, he's just out there, like I say, living his best life, doing what he's programmed innately to do, which is hunt. And it's so interesting when he is in hunt mode because the first time he tried to bring a pigeon through the window and that time the cat flap wasn't locked for me outside and thank god I was there um because <laughs> it's a window cat flap that I have 
And basically he he was, I, I, I saw him and I was like, oh my God, I even, I, I took a video of it because I was just so gobsmacked. And I immediately locked the cat flap and I legged it. I live in a, in a, like a huge, huge old, big Victorian, massive Victorian house. I live in a, like a raised ground floor flat. And so I locked the cat flap, ran outside and grabbed him to sort of save this pigeon. And, you know, some might say you shouldn't do that because obviously he's wild and that's what he's that's what he's innately programmed to do. But I wanted to save this pigeon. So I grabbed him and every time I've taken him away from whichever wild animal he's kind of playing with, he loses his shit. And it's like Jekyll and Hyde. And he becomes this, you know, completely wild and there therein lies the wild side so in answer to your question from about 10 minutes ago I've completely gone off on one but he really does have this incredibly wild side to him and he's and the other thing I'll say about Bengals is that they really are so much more high maintenance than your average house cat and I'm you know I am very I make a real effort and I'm very happy to really give him a lot of attention every day so I would never recommend anyone getting a Bengal who does not have the time or the inclination or the desire to give them attention. You have to interact with them. You have to play with them. Um, and I mean, thank God he's an outdoor cat because obviously he he gets rid of a lot of his energy when he's outside. Mm, mm. Um, but I do also make an effort to really interact with him and play with him because he needs that stimulation and he needs that playtime. But all of it combined... Um, really adds up to honestly the most incredible cat who just fills my heart with absolute joy. <laughs> oh no! Oh gosh! You know, I oh you see Debbie Connolly, the Bengal cat expert. Yeah, she actually credited Gremlin as being an honorary Bengal because oh, he, wow. yeah, 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 because he, he he could be quite naughty. You know, he was very naughty with my little Mister Binks. I mean, he killed wild rabbits that were bigger than Mister Binks. So when Mister Binks arrived as a as a rehome, Grem was already about four, and he was really quite bullying towards Mister Binks and. And Mr. Binks was vulnerable, so I had to get get my get get on top of it basically. And he'd do awful things like sit on Mr. Binks's indoor kennel and his tail oh. just swishing as if to say, I'm just here. And and so I had to ring Debbie actually and get cat behavior help, actually. So that was the start of a bit of a difficult relationship to sort wow. out between Gremlin and um and Mr. Binks. And at one point I was going to take on a puppy English toy terrier, which I had to not do because of Gremlin, because they're very, yeah. very small when they're puppies, obviously, because he's a very small dog, Mr. Binks. So um I think he would have had it. You know, yeah, gosh. Well, that you know, Grem used to eat a lot of his prey. You see as well, you know, yeah. like whole rabbits and and all sorts of things. So they sound very, you know. I can see that's why I think I'm interested in Johnny. I hope to meet him one day because well, I'm sure you I think, will. I yeah, because he sounds very like Gremlin. You know, Grem and I love the way cats play pranks. You know, they don't like things too serious. Grem would always try and lighten the mood by a total in the moment moment. Right? I mean, once. Oh, yeah, it's a long story. He had to represent the cat, the only cat that ever got awarded a Dickin medal by the PDSA. This cat called Simon got a medal for ridding this ship in the Second World War of all their rats. And he is the only cat still to this day that has ever been awarded this great medal. And he was a tuxedo cat like Gremlin. And so Gremlin was chosen by the PDSA to represent Gremlin on their, I think it was their 75th anniversary. Anyway, long story short, 
gremlin of course gets himself on bbc breakfast <laughs> um and then we have to stand really near to a horse because there was a horse a pigeon a dog there all the people the animals rather that won the dickie medal representatives of you know and the press photographers were going right we want the cat nearer the horse and i'm like really and the horse really wasn't happy about it and gremlin was going horse or zebra this is an interesting creature and he was like staring at the horse like so much and the horse was going don't eyeball me I was getting rid and I was right close to the horse I was thinking I I mean I don't mind horses I'm okay about them but I could see this horse was particularly stressed out by gremlins so I was so glad when that shoot ended I think we just got away with it before chaos ensued gremlin broke free from my arms horse reared up threw the rider onto the ground you know can you imagine but it was all kind of imminent but anyway we got back from that and this is extraordinary and then we might leave it here so I I let Gremlin out of his carrier and he goes out and then I'm on the phone and he comes in and I'm like what have you got Gremlin and I thought oh that's all right it's dead I don't normally mind didn't mind if you brought dead animals in because they're easier to deal with than ones that are alive but no to my horror to my horror it was a rat It was as though he was channeling Simon, this famous cat that killed loads of rats. And he'd gone out within about 10 minutes. He'd found a rat and brought it into the flat, Lucy. And I was going out that evening and the rest of the day, it was sorting out someone to come round, you know. And then this rat catcher man came round and um, Gren was sat on the kitchen top because the rat just obviously went behind the washing machine. And the, the rat catcher was like, is he there because of the rat and I went yeah 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 he won't leave that position until he's finished the rat that gremlin did actually finish everything he started but anyway and this rat catcher was like I can't believe it the amount of cats you know homes that I have to go to with cats and their cats are absolutely hopeless so I think in a way it's good if you ever have a mouse problem which I hope you don't but um you know that you've got the man in the flat sort it out you know what I mean I know exactly what you mean, Anna. I cannot tell you how. Do you know what is hilarious? Is that having a conversation about rats, rats have become a thing that I have had to actually get used to because of Johnny. Because I'm not kidding you. Like, this is no word of a lie. So he turned, Johnny turned one um, on the 7th of May. And that was the week before the coronation, I seem to remember. And he had he's had a cat flap I think since about uh February I think I got it but anyway so weekend of coronation for the first time ever he came in through the cat flap with something in his mouth and I was like oh my god and it was a baby rat Mm. to cut a very long story very long and very disturbing story short in since may where are we now the middle of august i have had to deal with i'm not kidding you double figure number of rats including adult rats five adult rats in my flat that he's brought in through the cat flat which is why as i said earlier i now keep it locked from the outside so that he can only come in when I let him in. So when I hear him scratching, I have to let him in because it's just got too much. And so, but I kind of laugh to myself because, you know, 
I would never, like if someone had said to me, you know, how would you feel about dealing with a live rat in your flat? I'd have been like, well, clearly that's not going to happen because I would just die. It's not that I have a particular phobia of rats, but like who the hell likes rats, especially not live ones. And it, it made me laugh just then when you said about you're okay with kind of dead animals. And I'm exactly the same. A dead, him bringing a dead animal, like decapitated animal would not even phase me because I'd be like, oh great, it's dead. I can just like get rid of it. Easy peasy. It's when they're alive that you got a freaking problem. And Honestly, Anna, I cannot tell you, he's brought in multiple baby rats and um, and at least three or four uh, full grown adult rats that I have had to. But I've actually the hilarious thing is that I've become a total expert on rat catching. It's like I'm the freaking Pied Piper of Hamlin. So I have a trick where I have this what I call the rat towel or I used to before I started locking the cat from the outside. But I have have a towel at the ready at all times and what I would do is basically when if and when he brought one in uh, the, the the way to the way that I would deal with it or I find the best way anyone listening the best way to deal with a live rat in your house is get a towel chuck the towel over the rat or the mouse or whatever it is and then I would get my mop buckets and get the rat which kind of gets stunned underneath the towel into the mop bucket and then that is how I would then get the thing outside and then take it you know significantly far away so that Johnny wouldn't then immediately go out and, and get it again because that's what he would do that's such um, good advice I mean but like... but I swear the the towel thing is the way forward a towel or a blanket that is already disgusting you don't mind being even more disgusting but they Shot move fast they you know, are and, so and fast they the are problem, so fast. yeah the problem that, is that's the terror that's the worry it's like I don't care about dead ones but when they're live it's like I've got it if you don't catch it and it and it escapes mm. then you've got a problem that's the scary thing so get a towel <laughs> if you can catch it because well in my experience of it happening they've gone you know behind oh, the God, yeah. washing machine you know that's that's yeah. happened yeah but um no I know gosh the stories I could tell you but I think that's fun <laughs> you know I mean it keeps you in the moment and it's a great distraction and it's about building memories and sharing experiences you know I think I mentioned on your podcast when Gren brought in a squirrel alive when Prudence was in intensive care for the weekend and um, as if it was like there you go this will keep you guys busy no time to get all wallowing in the mire you've got a project how to get the squirrel out from under your bed and back out into the garden it was almost like he really was trying to pull our legs and I think that's also the funny thing and that's also quite Bengal I believe you know being one step ahead of the human Lucy gosh we could talk for ages but look, I know um, no I just have to meet Johnny now so I'm looking forward to that that's something really that's going to be very exciting and um, yes please keep me posted and I just think what you're doing and promoting that it's okay you know it's good in fact to be single and you know developing your own self with like-minded people and and preserving energy and putting it out there in a very concentrated positive way is excellent thanks Anna I I really appreciate that um you know as you all know having a podcast is 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 a journey to say the least and I do two episodes a week I do just for anyone who who may be interested in listening I do a Tuesday guest episode which is obviously what you were on my Tuesday episode and then every Saturday and that's always or pretty or largely centered around the single and child free aspect but then on a, on Saturdays I do um, a shorter mini so which is just like a solo episode where I talk 
and I and that's where I tend to kind of really lean into the sort of personal growthy side of things like I did you know I've done one on fear I've done one on courage I talk about I talk about all you know confidence or whatever it may be and I do I do also talk on the mini sometimes about single um issues but but what I love about the mini actually is that I can kind of go away from the single child element single child free element of the podcast and just talk about stuff that really lights me up about you know life stuff that kind of could be applicable to anyone but but no I I, I appreciate your very kind words because um yeah it's it's um it's a lot of work it's a lot of work as, as I'm sure you know <laughs> yeah I know I know but it's it's great when you know you get the good feedback and everything but Lucy I think you're doing a great thing and I'm just oh, so wow. honored to have met you and I hope we will do a chewing the fat together again at some point in the not so distant future as well gosh Anna I I feel exactly the same way about having met you and I'm I'm damn sure that Joe will get us back on together at some point I really really hope she does and and definitely I want you to meet Johnny so we're gonna have to make it happen and I want to meet your dogs as well but yes thank you so much for having me on and seriously I, I I'm really grateful and thank thank you thank you thank you so much for having me I really appreciate it that's our show Mr Binks what did you think Yes, I know we talked a lot about cats, but you know how much cats mean to me, particularly Gremlin, and I think Johnny Depp is quite a lot like our Gremlin one. And you're right, it is time for Woof of the Week. Cats versus dogs. Well, they each have their role to play in what is the web of humanity. Well, I hope you all enjoyed it. If you did, go on, rate and review the show wherever you tune into your podcasts. Thanks again, of course, to Lucy Megson for joining us today. And all the links are, yes, in the show notes. Thanks, of course, to Mike Hansen for all the music and production as ever. Find out more about Mike at Pod People UK. And for me, check me out. I'm just at Anna Webb Dogs. What's that, Mr. Binks? Yes, you're right. We will be back in your feed next Sunday. So why don't you subscribe now? That way, you'll never miss another show. Bye for now. Bye.